with you for healing and how they minister to you. But without further ado, Brother Cheryl, come on and share with us what the Lord, what the Lord is laying on your heart. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the moving and the stirring and the leading of the Holy Ghost? Glory to God. I would like to personally thank the musicians and the singers um, for really helping usher in the presence of God over the last couple of days and this morning. And so, gentlemen, thank you very much. Ladies, thank you very much. It has been an honor and a privilege, and I just want you to know how very much it means to me to, uh, to follow you. It's easy to come up here and stand behind this pulpit when, when uh, such excellence, when such excellent worship has been taking place. And so I just want you to know, Rhonda, this is fantastic. Thank you. God bless you for what you do. John, thank you. Um, I really have very... Uh, very few remarks for this morning. It probably won't take me over about 45 minutes or so to get them all out. I want you <laughs> open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. I thank God for the Holy Ghost ministering to people. I thank God that the Holy Ghost has ministered to me over the last couple of nights, and I am still in a place of expectation, though this perhaps may be uh, my last opportunity to take this pulpit for a while. I still thank God for what He has uh, he's enabled us to do and He's enabled us to experience and the things that I believe that He's, he's spoken to us over the last couple of days, and hopefully this morning uh, you'll be able to take with you and it'll, it'll work effective and effectual change and bring increase into your life. It'll bring blessing to you. And so this morning, I just want to leave today. I want you to leave. I'm going to leave encouraged. And so I, I want you to just to know how much I appreciate all that you uh, have done and the people that have come up to me after the services and, and spoken to me. I want you to know that I appreciate that very much. Thank you for your encouragement. It doesn't really matter how many... Uh, hundreds or thousands of sermons I've delivered through the, through the years, it's still nice to hear that the Holy Ghost was able to minister to you Amen. through anything that I said. It's really an honor and a privilege, and I thank God for it. This morning, um, now that you have had your uh, time to get to Romans chapter 4, I want to talk to you for just a little while about God's faithfulness to perform His Word in your life. I believe that we are living in the end times, and because this is the end times, that there is a, there's coming an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the, the, that there's going to be an increase in the moving and the manifestations of the Spirit of God at work in people's lives. I believe that there's going to be a time when the Holy Ghost comes into our services and we take what He's doing on the inside of us in, in places like this and we take those experiences with us into our workplace, into our families, and the Spirit of God can just fall in our offices. Do you believe the Holy Ghost can fall on you at work, can move on you and minister to you and enable you to be a witness unto Him and to the people that you work with. You may be dealing with natural things, but sometimes I know that supernatural things can arise and you can have a conversation with someone while you're on your job and bring increase and blessing and wisdom to the situation. How many of you would like to have a little bit of wisdom at work? 
I know, hallelujah. So anyway, I believe God is in the demonstration business. And he desires still today to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is at peace with him. We, we even mentioned that last night. I believe in revival. I believe in the spectacular display of God. Do you still believe in the spectacular display of God? I do. I, I believe in that. And so we're going to look at some examples this morning where God showed himself real and true and faithful and strong in the lives of two or three people. And we're just going to glean some examples from that. In Romans chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 17. I'm going to uh, finish, I'm going to read 17 through 21, and then we're going to pray together one more time. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom have believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Hallelujah. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Let's pray together. Glory to God. Father, we thank you so much for your presence that we sense in this place. I thank you, God, for the door of utterance that I see open before me. I pray that you'll enable me to walk through the door to say the things that you would have me to say, nothing more and nothing less. I pray that you would flood our eyes with light, that we might see, that you would anoint our ears to hear, that we might hear that our hearts would be fertile ground for your word to be sown into, that we could leave this place being fruitful for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I'm just going to, if uh, I'm not a great titler of sermons, but if I was going to title this particular message for today uh, to give you just something to think about or a central theme, it would be that God is still in the performance business, or we could even say it this way, there shall be a performance. There shall be a performance. A couple of months ago, um, Alexandria here had the opportunity to take a, a, a band trip, and she went through, I believe, seven countries in Western Europe. Uh, she left um, from Memphis. What day was that? The first, the first of July, and uh, immediately went from Memphis to London. And while in London, she had an opportunity to see the Phantom of the Opera. And so when she saw the Phantom of the Opera, when she came out of there, it wasn't long till her mother and I got a text message and there were, uh, uh, you could just see or read the excitement in Allie's face and her voice through the text message. She had a great time when I went and picked her up from the airport. She, Daddy, you should have seen this. You should have seen that she was so excited about what took place on the stage in London. And as her daddy, I was really excited for her that she could see such a thing, you know. We don't have a whole lot of stuff like that taking place in Hope, Arkansas. And so I'm not opposed to stuff like that. So y'all excuse me for bringing up the fan of the opera in church. I'm going somewhere with it, I promise. And so I began to think after I read this text message and I could see 
the excitement in a text message. Her mama could see. She was excited about what she had just seen. And it wasn't long before I thought, Lord, if we could all be as excited. If I can see the excitement in my 17-year-old daughter through a text message, I wonder just what the heart of God would be towards us if we could see, if He could look down and He could see our excitement when we look at His Word. If we would just look at this thing and we'd say, Woohoo! Oh my, look at there. My goodness, what God's doing. Look at there. And you just can't even sit still and your feet get to moving. And you just sitting there and you say, Good Lord, you're in there by yourself and you just have a fit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, having a fit? You just have a fit when you see how good God is and how big God is through the Word. And so I just said, Lord, I wish that there would be some spectacular displays of Your glory at work in my life and in the lives of people that I know and that I love move through the church because I would really like to see some excitement take root in people's lives. That's just where I am in my faith, and that's where I am in my praying, and that's where I am in my expectation. I could not tell you how hungry I am for manifestations and demonstrations of the Spirit of God. What's more, I do not believe that God is going to leave me unsatisfied. So, you know, we talked last night for just a little while about freely receiving. Last night's message was simply freely receive. Well, the promises of God. I want to look here at at Abraham's example, if you would, with me for just a minute. We're going to go on back to uh, verse 18 together, speaking specifically of Abraham. said that he against hope believed in hope. Now, I would like to give you a very simple definition. You know, I live in hope. Really, hope. My address is in hope. That's fantastic. And uh, so some time ago, I I studied hope. And I asked the Lord, let's just help me to boil down what hope is. I understand that uh, you got to have hope for your faith to work. I understand that you got to have hope to live, period. You ever looked in the eyes of somebody that had no hope? Man, that's an awful thing. It's awful awful to live hopeless. But you in this place this morning, you are carriers of hope. Did you know that? You are a beacon of hope in a dark generation. You are a hope giver. And I believe that hope does indeed spring eternal in the lives of those people whose hearts are turned over towards Him. And so this morning, I would just like to give you this that I got out of my study. And this is a simple... I don't like to use the word definition, but, you know, whatever. A simple definition, if you will, if you'll allow me, of the word hope. And that is this, confident expectations of pleasurable consequences. I'm going to say that again, Kevin. Confident expectations of pleasurable consequences. Y'all got that? And that is this, Abraham was confident. He was fully expecting that what God promised he was able to perform and that performance was going to be a pleasurable consequence in his life. That is, this was nothing that Abraham was dreading. This was something that he was looking forward to. This was something that he knew would not only be a blessing to him, but it would be a blessing indeed to the entire world. How many thankful right now that Abraham held fast? 
Man, I'm glad Abraham held fast. And so we're just going to keep on going here. It says in verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he is about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And then it goes on, it says, And he staggered not. And so if he staggered not, that must mean that he stood firm. If he didn't stagger, it must mean that he he stood firm, he held his ground. And when he saw that God wanted to freely perform his word in his life, Kevin, he said, I'm holding on. Now, we understand what happened, and this message ain't about when when he decided to get over in the flesh and try to take care of it himself. What we're going to do is we're going to see when Abraham made the good decision, the solid decision to live by faith and not by sight, and what it took to do that, what it took to hold steady until the manifestation of the promise that God made you, oh, I'm sorry, made him, was manifest to the world. So he staggered not. So somebody, somebody leave here today and say, I ain't staggering. I'm not staggering. I'm standing firm. As a matter of fact, if I'm doing anything, I'm going to dance around here on the promise of God. Amen. Glory to God. And so it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So apparently unbelief makes you stagger. Apparently if you begin to worry and doubt and fret and say, Well, maybe. I know that's what the preacher said. I know that's what the Word said. But it just really is not my experience. I'm telling you, if you get over into believing your experience more than you believe the Word, the devil's going to knock you on, the, on your be-donk-a-donk. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. But if you ever allow yourself in your mind to start thinking like that, then you become easy prey for the roaring lion who goes about seeking whom he may devour. You might as well just start making those, uh, you know... Um, I get hunting catalogs, and uh, in those hunting catalogs, y'all excuse me for talking about such things, they sell little tape recordings and other recordings of wounded animal sounds when people predator hunt. Y'all, I know y'all don't know nothing about that. No, I know better. <laughs> I know better. And so sometimes I think, Kevin... That when we get all mealy-mouthed and weak and we start talking all this poor, pitiful, sorry, me, I've got this going on and that going on and I'm just beat down and God's forsaken me, you sound kind of like one of them wounded rabbits in the ear of the devil. You might as well put a big old sign up, that just neon, neon and flashing, and say, come eat me, Mr. Devil. I can be had. I am staggering. I'm about to fall down. As a matter of fact, I'm just laying here easy prey. No, no, no. This morning, we're going to leave this place with a heart full of faith. And and ain't you a pretty thing? A heart full of faith and full of assurance and say, I am not staggering. I am standing firm. Now, we're going... What I do in my Bible? You plotting on me, Kevin? Ah, oh, he's blaming me. All right, so we're just gonna keep going here. 
It says he was strong in faith, giving, giving glory to God. And so I would just like to follow up with a comment that Kevin started. I did not start this. I was not really intending to make this comment. But since he started it, I'm going to finish it. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. I wrote in the margin of my Bible some time ago that our worship reflects our faith. And extravagant faith will require extravagant worship. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Extravagant faith will require extravagant worship. There is no shortcut. And so those of you that are believing God, the Lord spoke to you last night about the promise. The Lord spoke to you the night before about the moving of the Holy Ghost. And you're holding fast. Listen, worship plays a great role in the manifestation of the promise in your life. Now that's good teaching right there. Extravagant faith requires extravagant worship. If you want something spectacular, you must worship spectacularly. Glory to God. I had a preacher one time talk about don't be afraid to get ugly for Jesus. You remember that? Don't be afraid to worship. Don't be afraid. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to hang on that cross. He, he wasn't afraid to bleed. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to be humiliated. No, he hung there. At least we can do is to not be afraid to extravagantly worship. I've, heard, I've had people look at me in the eye and say, it's just not my personality. And, and, and Kevin touched on that, and I understand. I remember when uh, I went to Bible school, I came back to the church that I, that I went to Bible school from, and the pastor looked at me and laughed. He said, I wondered when you was going to get your shout. He did. He said, I've been wondering when you were going to get your shout because I went to Bible school. You know, I was kind of reserved. I might lift my hand, you know. But man, the more God started talking to me, the more he started revealing himself to me, the more I realized, glory to God, I can't just sit here with my hands in my pocket and my tongue in my mouth, baby. I have got to lift up my, my hands. I've got to lift up my voice. i got to move my feet, baby. I can't just stand here no more. When I see what He has done for me, it affects me spiritually and it affects me physically. It moves me, honey. It moves me. And I ain't just talking about when... Oh, I'll go on ahead and say it. I ain't just talking about when He tickles those things just perfectly and when He comes over here... Man, that guy can... Where's he at? I, I know I can see his shirt. Did y'all hear him? Goodness gracious. Glory to God. Thank God for that. But that ain't what I'm talking about. Just because John can play and just because my brother can play that thing and make you just go, whoa, I wish I could do that. I'm talking about when you're in there by yourself and you can't get one note right and you still worship. Kevin, I ain't trying to get on nobody's toes. And you can clean this up next week if you want to. I'm sorry. I say, I ain't been listening to him preach. Verse 21. Let me look at my time. I'm good. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. I'm telling you, a key to the performance of God it in his power. It's your ability to maintain a state of being fully persuaded. Do not question the ability of God to perform His Word in your life. 
You got that? Listen to me. It is not a question of whether God can or whether He will. It's a question, Kevin, is are you going to hold on like Abraham or are you going to let go and fall down and sound like one of those wounded rabbit calls? I ain't sounding like no wounded rabbit. Ain't no wounded rabbits up off in here. Excuse my grammar. I do know how to write properly. It's just very difficult for me to translate that from my fingers to my tongue. I can't help it. Turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm not done yet. I know it's 12 o'clock now. I'm telling you it is if you didn't know it. Y'all heard him. I didn't tell him to take the clock down, y'all. Don't look at me. I can see the clock. I can't see this one on my wrist too good, but I can see that one. (laughs) Me too. In Luke chapter 1, we're going to look here and watch this little teenage girl. Y'all think you can learn something from a teenage girl? I learned a long time ago. I can learn all sorts of stuff from teenage girls. I've been raised too. You can learn some stuff from teenage girls. It's the truth, y'all. So let me see exactly where I want to start. I see in my notes there. Y'all know the story in Luke chapter 1 of the angel approaching this teenage girl whose name was Mary. The angel, verse 28 says, And the angel came unto her, Mary, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Somebody write down grace in the margin of your Bible. I just want you to see that real quick. Just write down grace. Hail, thou art highly favored. Let me tell you, you are a blood-bought member of the church of the Most High God, and God's grace rests on you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all days of my life, David said. And I tell you, great grace is upon the church today. I'm just telling you. Write down grace. I understand she was singled out for something spectacular, but I still want you to see that God's grace rests on you just like it rested on her. All right, so she was troubled, and he goes on and tells her, verse 30, uh, the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That word favor there is the same word grace, and you understand that you are living in the days of grace. Uh, so, so the angel goes on, and he begins to tell her what's going to take place. And she said, How is this going to happen? And verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. Some of you are wondering, how is this going to happen? The Lord has spoken things to you through the years. And and it's natural for us to say, how is this going to happen? Well, I have have an eternal solution to that eternal question. And that is this. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. You're wondering how it's going to happen. you got a promise. You see the promises. There's dozens of them, countless promises in the Word. And you and all of us really are prone to ask, how? Well, let me just go ahead and clear that, clarify that for you, Kevin. And it's the Holy Ghost is going to come on the scene, honey. The Holy Ghost is going to do it. You don't have to do it. The Spirit of God will do it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm prone to want to take matters into my own hands. Let me tell you how that usually turns out for me. Not worth the flip. You sh- you're shaking here. You know, it don't work out too good for me. 
it just, it really, it seems natural for us. You know, it seems that's how we're trained to do it, especially here in the South, you know. Men work and you take things into your hands or in the United States, you know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, boy. Let me tell you something, that mentality right there has ruined lots of men. Because if you could pull yourself up by your bootstraps, then spiritually speaking, then Jesus would have died in vain. No, you're in a pit you can't crawl, you claw yourself out of or claw your way out of. You need Jesus to reach down and with his merciful touch pick you up out of that nasty mess that you're in and set you on a rock. Glory to God. I was in a mess, Kevin. I couldn't get myself out of. I couldn't. It took God's grace to get me out of the mess I was in. So just remember, the next time you're tempted to think about yourself or other people, they got themselves in, they should get themselves out. You just remember that there's lots of messes going on in the world that people cannot get themselves out of, and they need the grace of God. And you are a beacon of hope and a messenger of grace. And so go shine hope and go deliver grace. Hallelujah. And so she said, how is this going to be? said, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee, and therefore that holy thing which, thou shalt be, uh, which shall be born of thee shall be called the uh, Son of God. And so I wrote down in my margin, the margin of my Bible a long time ago, this is God's part. This is the how part. This is the doing part. Now let's go to see our part. So let's just skip on. Verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Oh, glory, I got a that's right and a hallelujah out of it. I'm going to read it again until I get a better response. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Somebody say nothing. Nothing, baby. Nothing. Hallelujah. Nothing. You think you got a mountain standing in front of you, and I do not doubt that what you do. But look, that mountain is not an impossibility in the eyes of God. It may be an impossibility in your own eyes, but it is not an impossibility in the eyes of God. He looks at it and he says, I can do it, buddy. I can do it. I'm helping myself. Verse 38, now this is, this is our part. This is hard, so you better get on. I ain't got no poems or too many points to go with this, but this you better listen. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Y'all see what she's saying? Do you see what, did you see how complicated that was? All that girl said was, Be it unto me according to thy word. She didn't have to fill out no surveys on Survey Monkey. Y'all know what that is, don't you? My, my wife, you know, she, uh, I'm going to brag on her. She's real smart, and she's, she's finished, uh, she's finished uh, all of her coursework for her Ph.D., her EDD, and all that sort of stuff, and she's quite a bit ways into her dissertation, and now she really needs a, a, a couple of signatures, and she needs some stuff to take place, and she's going to have she's going to have this company to send out how many a thousand a thousand surveys to principals and assistant principals and the like, administrators in schools, and she needs how many of them to send them back? A bunch, a bunch. And so, uh, you know, Survey Monkey is the. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that no more. It does it for. Her. So anyhow, you know, 
the, the Lord here is not dependent on Survey Monkey. Now, Carla may be depending on this company to do something for her. And really would be nearly helpless if, they, if, it, if it falls through, then she's really stuck. You ever encountered anything in your life that if it falls through, you're just going to be really stuck? That's right. awesome. a lot of, see, that's, that's because you're walking by faith. People that live their lives and they never encounter anything, that if it falls through, they're just going to be stuck. Kick it up a notch. Because you can rest assured if you're walking hand in hand with Jesus, it won't be long that you're going to encounter something that you just go, hmm. That looks like a raw, naked abyss right there. I don't really know where I'm supposed to go here. Lord, precious, what's that song you see? Precious Jesus, take my hand. Yeah, baby, better. You'll be thinking of all them old songs then. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I can't see. And that's what happens when you walk by faith is you come, ac- you come across those things. You say, Lord, have mercy. What? Where, where, where is that old tape at? I know I need. Come on. Be it done unto me according to thy word. And that's all the angel needed to hear. Some of you think you're going to you're gonna have to fast and pray for a month and a half. And God's just waiting for you to say, all right, the deal is sealed. Be it done unto me according to thy word. You think you're going to have to do all sorts of crazy stuff. But all you really got to say is, be it done unto me according to thy word. That is the summation of your responsibility. I, I thought y'all would be happier about that than that. Some of y'all think serving God is complicated when really all you got to do is say, well, be it done unto me according to thy word. Now look, I'm going to give you one more example. No, no, no. No, let's look at verse 45 there. We, we understand then that what, what happened was Mary Rose went to the, you know, it's the, the, the Christmas story, and you're going to read, read it to your kids before long. Verse 45, y'all know Christmas around the corner, ain't it? Just go to the store. They already got stuff out. Verse 45. Verse 45 says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So believing brings the performance. Blessed is she. The uh, Phillips translation says it this way, For he does make his promise to her come true. Y'all like that? For he does make his promise to her come true. Beck said it this way, And you are happy for believing that the Lord will do what he promised you. I like that. And happy are you for believing. Happy are you for believing. Happy are you for believing. You know, some people... Their definition of happiness is anything but that. It totally revolves around what's taking place in, uh, around them. That's how I'm going to say that. Some people's happiness level or their happiness meter, you can measure how happy they are by if everything's taking place around them just so. If their spouse is acting right, if their folks are doing okay, if their bills are paid, if their back is strong, if they feel this way, if they'll feel that way, then you ask them how they are, and then they won't leave, give you a laundry list of problems. They'll say, I'm doing pretty good. And they are doing pretty good. But I'm telling you, a Christian's happiness meter is not filled up 
simply by everything taking place around them just like they think it ought to. It, it, it's filled up when people believe. Happy is she who believes, saying, I am believing God. I am believing. I am believing. And I am happy because I believe. The promise of God, glory to God. I say the promise of God manifest in my life puts a smile on my face and a spring in my step. It don't matter what my checkbook looks like. It don't matter what's taking place down there in the hospital. I'm telling you, I am happy, baby. Now, he said I didn't have to watch the clock, so we're going to look at the last. Turn to Acts chapter 27. He's laughing now. He might have changed his mind. You didn't change your mind in the last few minutes, have you? Ain't nobody left yet, Kevin. We're doing okay. I'm looking forward sometime in the next few weeks to preaching all of Acts chapter 27. But until I can do that, you're just going to have to listen to me for just a few minutes. Because I got a lot to say. I don't know that I can get it all in. In Acts chapter 27, this is, uh, of course, Paul's voyage to Rome. He's on his way. He must go see the king. And uh, he knows that there's bad news coming. Verse 10, look at verse 10. And, and said unto them, now, th- this, is, this is Paul trying to talk some sense into people. And he says this, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, look at this, don't ever do this. Don't ever do what the centurion does. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Listen, listen to me. You better believe when the, when the preacher and the Holy Ghost provide a warning to you you better. It ain't because the preacher's trying to slap you around. It ain't because the Holy Ghost is trying to bring correction in your life. It's because you may indeed be headed for a shipwreck and God's trying to intervene in your life. And I'm saying that with love for people. And I'm just telling you right now, the, the Holy Ghost will try to help you avoid shipwrecks if you'll just listen. So the Apostle Paul tried to help him. And I wish in your mind right now you just hooked that thought to when, when Jesus got on the ship and went and took a nap and they were trying to go across the sea and the winds and the waves. I don't have time to preach it all. Just in your mind, cross-reference that cute little story. <laughs> oh, and then so what happened? They didn't pay no mind, did they? Imagine the world not paying no mind to the church. Brother, believe a fable. Imagine the world not believing. No, but I got to make this dollar. Yeah, well, it's more than just the economy, stupid. All right, so y'all know how it went. You know how it went. So skip on down there. Verse uh, 18, let's just go ahead and tell, tell the story here. And we, being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. Yeah, that's pretty smart. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. They said, we got to get this stuff off of here. And when neither the sun nor the stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope, y'all remember hope, right? 
It ain't been so long ago you done forgot what I told you hope was, have, have you? All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. You ever been a place in your life where you felt like the winds and the waves were beating against the hull of your boat so strong that you had just nearly lost hope? Some of us can identify with that. Some of us can. We can say, you know, there's a storm raging and every, everywhere I look, you know. There's, there's a storm over there and there's a storm over here and there's a storm over there and there's a storm over there. As a matter of fact, the whole world must be a storm. You can't even see peace anywhere in the world because everywhere in your own life is just a, it's one storm after another at every direction that you turn. You don't know that there's lots of people out there being blessed and God's moving and they're in a safe harbor and everything's fine. You can't even see it because you are so overwhelmed. I know you may not know what I'm talking about, but maybe your neighbor does. Look, when you're that way, hold on. The Lord has something to tell you in the midst of that kind of state. And that's verse 21 and 22 and 23. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, Paul, Paul don't mind whipping out a I told you so here on them. Most of us don't particularly like an I told you so, and we sure don't want it out of the preacher. Amen. I done tickled myself. Sirs, you should, I try not to, I told you so, people. Ooh, it's a bitter. Ooh, it tastes bitter. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Verse 22 says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Even though, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. So that's just what I'm going to tell you right now. Buck up, baby. Be of good cheer. Get happy. Get happy. Excuse me, let me take those off so I can look at you. Get happy. You might as well get happy about it. You can be sad or you can be happy, Rhonda. You might as well be happy. You might as well cheer up, sunshine. I said cheer up, sunshine. It's okay. Cheer up. This is what Paul's telling these people, and they're throwing stuff overboard. The only reason we're doing this is for the stuff, and now we're getting rid of the stuff. So the whole purpose for the for the, for this fourteen uh, day storm is fixing to manifest. Good Lord, have mercy! He says, "Cheer up, buddies. There's not going to be any uh, any loss." Well, actually, in the King James, it says, "For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship." <laughs> that must have been encouraging. was on the ship how'd you like to be in an airplane over the pacific and the holy ghost says you know you're gonna be okay but this plane ain't seeing dry ground you say oh god huh how'd you like to be i've been we've uh you know we've done some flying and you know i've been in there and i've had that plane shake you ever been on on an airplane that shook so bad you say there ain't a rivet in the world strong enough to hold the skin on this airplane huh I can't imagine being in the in the depths of the sea. Cheer up! The airplane's going down, but y'all gonna be all right. Oh God, I don't think I can see that. Verse twenty-three: For there stood by me this night, glory to God. Somebody start getting excited because you know where I'm going. 
There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Glory to God. You have somebody standing on the inside of you right now, whose you are and whom you serve. Get excited about it. Glory to God. You got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You got something more powerful and sure than the word of any angel. And that is you've got the holy writ of a holy God that He has forever settled in heaven. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It'll accomplish the thing that I sent it to, and it'll prosper whereunto I sent it. Glory to God. This right here is as sure as any word of any angel that's circling the throne of God. Whoo, I done got myself happy about it. Glory to God, I'm about to jump out of my suit. Saying, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And remember, I'm wanting you to cross-reference in your mind when Jesus got in the boat and went to sleep and told him to go on over yonder. This, this is good. That's good right here. Y'all need to be, you need to be getting all that together. Get all that together in your mind. That's good stuff. Fear not. You know, uh, I looked up some time ago. You know how many times the Bible says fear not? Fifty-nine. Did you know that? 59. Somebody write that down in your Bible. The Bible says 59 times fear not. You reckon fear is a problem? You reckon fear might be a problem if the Bible has to say 59 times to fear not? I'm telling you, fear will knock you off your feet. It'll make you stagger in unbelief. Just remember, Abraham staggered not. And you ain't either. Fear not, 59 times. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all that sail with thee. I need to write now my kids' names in the margin of my Bible right there. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, this is, this is the conclusion of this message. Now, what you're going to do with it, I don't know. But I'm just almost done. Kevin, I'm almost done, but i got to say this. Is this okay? Wherefore, sirs, wherefore, madam, wherefore, children, be of good cheer. For I believe, God, that it will be even as it was told unto me. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Cheer up, baby. Cheer up, sweetheart. Cheer up, darling. Get happy about it. I believe God. Get happy about it. It may be the biggest mess you've been going through. It may be a train wreck everywhere. But just hold on, honey. God is on the way. Fear not. Stand firm. Somebody stand up and worship God with me. Hallelujah. I reject fear in Jesus' name. I thank you right now that I am cheering up. I am cheering up. I'm getting happy about it. I reject fear, doubt, and unbelief. And I believe, God, that it's going to be just like He told me. I thank you that all those promises that we talked about last night are mine in Jesus' name. I am not letting go. I am not backing up. I'm possessing the land. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Come on, glory to God. 
Glory to God. I'm telling you, there shall be a performance of the Word of God in somebody's life that will grab a hold and not let go. There's going to be a performance of it. You've been holding on to it for years. But I'm telling you, there shall be a performance. You say, how in the world? And I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Ghost will come on the scene and it will cause everything to turn around. It won't take six months. It won't take six years. But it will take place the moment you decide, baby, I'm throwing my shoulders back. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I rejoice in my portion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.